Amen. Amen. Make sure my mic is right. Pastor Brian, your pastor, Pastor Brian, said to me yesterday, it's interesting why the mic doesn't blend with your skin like it blends with... Uh, I'll wait. Uh, I'll let you get that. <laughs> I really never thought about it. I, I thought, man, when you get this mic, you done did something. You, you, you. <laughs> he said, it's interesting how it doesn't blend in with your skin, and they made it to blend otherwise. But... Uh, all right, thank you guys for catching that. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> that is a big help. You're smiling. Good. Praise God. I want you to leave that way too, okay? We should leave here feeling different and feeling good and a celebratory attitude about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Today, we are going to uh, come to you from the topic cynicism, or excuse me, deal with cynicism from the topic celebration is greater than cynicism. Celebration is greater than cynicism, the good news. Celebration is greater than cynicism, the good news. Okay? Um, before I get into it, I want to tell you that Pastor Brian referred to me to read a book. This book is called Beautiful Resistance. It's a really good book. I want to encourage you guys to check this book out. Okay? It really covers a lot of things we deal with in our culture today, and it's been a blessing. Okay, so I want to encourage you guys to read that. Um, somebody told me if I, if I talked about this book, nobody's going to read it. But I believe, I really believe that somebody is going to take me up and read this. It's been a good book. Okay, praise God for that. And so, as I was reading and preparing for the sermon, uh, I, I, I thought about, and it was revealed to me, how... Or what are the things that block us from being the body of Christ? What are the things that block us from being the body of Christ? And so I want to deal with what it means to be the body of Christ. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? This book, Beautiful Resistance, which shines the light of the work of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Pastor Brian talks about him a while in his story. It compels us to see as we deal with it, in our counter or living counter series and its magnitude, how we, are, how we are to be in the world, how we are to be in the world as Christians, as the body of Christ, how we are to be in the world. Paul also tells us, we heard a lot about Paul, but catch this, Paul also tells us through the testimony of his life, when he became transformed by Jesus, the Bible says in Acts 9.22 that Saul grew more and more powerful. He grew more and more powerful. It's important. And baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. In that, I want to describe our purpose, our purpose, and how we should be according to as the Bible reads, as the body of Christ from this view and from this perspective. Again, Paul grew more and more in Christ. That should be us. Before we received Christ, this was us. This is an example of what we were. Christless. Christ comes in. Comes inside of us. And as we go through seasons, the idea is that Christ grows in us. 
See those lines, how they get bigger? Okay. That's my example. So y'all work with me. See how the lines get bigger? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right. As Christ grows in us, we are his representatives who give him to others. More and more, Paul did, as Christ grows in us, we are his representatives. Everywhere we go, we give him to others. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. That's what it means. And so we can do this individually, collectively. Also, we do it physically and spiritually. But this is how it came to me. It was revealed to me how this can look. The body, which is the church, we go and take Jesus, who is now in us, because we receive him. We are the temple of the body of Christ, of Christ. The church goes from a dull world. See the, see the, the, the picture is black and white, it's dull. And we go into the world with Christ in us as he grows through us season through season and things change. It goes from dull to full of life. But the sermon today is to deal with the things that hinder us from doing that. There are some things that hinder us from being powerful, from being spirit-led, for people seeing Christ in us when we go certain places. All right? And one of those main things is cynicism. Everybody say cynicism. cynicism. Thank you. You guys are with me. Thank you. 1030. All right? Cynicism. All right? It's like a little critter that creeps inside of us, kind of takes over. Okay? So with that said, and now that we understand what the body of Christ is supposed to do, before I get into cynicism, and one of the things that kind of interrupts us showing uh, Christ inside of us to the world, I want us to hear our word today. So I want you to give, this is our first time, I want you guys to give a warm welcome to my wife, who's going to come bring and read the word for us today. Good morning. I will be reading Isaiah 61, the New Living Translation, 1 through 7. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of, of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will be they will feed your flocks, they will plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would bless us, that you would transform us, that anything not like you, you would take out of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul says, our bodies are the temple where Christ dwells. I thought it was interesting as I was studying for this, this sermon that the temples where Jesus really got angry. There's a comparison between that temple and our temples, our bodies. And I'm just so glad, I don't know about you, that Jesus, God had a plan to send his son Jesus to shake some things up. You know, Jesus turned tables over in that temple, right? To shake some things up inside of us, inside of me, so that I could have a better life, to get my life on track. If you're excited about that, clap your hands today. I mean it. If you're excited that Jesus really cared that much about you, that he did that, that's a celebration moment right there. Amen. So the question today is, how has cynicism, this is part of our title, bothered us? How has cynicism bothered us? And if it has, how can we heal? First two areas of this sermon are going to be, how is cynicism causing us not to move forward? And what, should, what we should know about, excuse me, about the cultural conditions. I think it's important for us to lay a foundation to this word today by recognizing ever since the beginning, the enemy has been trying to create lies in the minds of humanity. The Bible lets us know in Genesis chapter 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the, of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Here comes the enemy. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. I'm going to pause right there. There are some things in this world, especially within this last year and a half, that I'd like to think the enemy worked on some of our weaknesses and opened our eyes to, and we've got stuck on, that have locked us in mentally. And so much so, as soon as that topic arises, as soon as that topic comes up, we, all of a sudden we just shift. This is how I feel about that, and that's just where I am. Whole attitude just shifts, goes to a different realm. The sermon today is going to question and ask us, how can we show Christ in us if those things are in us? If we're having thoughts of cynicism in our minds and in our heads, if those things are bothering us, how can we show people Christ? Let's deal with cynicism a little bit more. Let's get a clear definition of it. I've heard from a cynic that the definition of a cynic is this. It's a man who, when he smells flowers, looks around for a coffin. You can laugh. It's okay. 
A man who, when he smells flowers, looks around for a coffin. Hopefully that's none of you, my brothers and sisters, today. Modern cynicism has been defined, and as I read this definition, I want you to think of cynicism as like a knot of stuff in your head that just blocks you. Listen to how this reads, though. That's why I wanted to read. It says, modern cynicism has been defined as an attitude of distrust toward claimed ethical and social values and a rejection of the need to be socially involved. It is pessimistic about the capacity of human beings to make correct ethical choices. It can appear more active in depression. In fact, a study published in Neurology Journal in 2014 found an association between high levels of late-life cynical distrust, distrust and dementia. The survey included 622 people who were tested for dementia for a period of eight years. In that period, 46 people who were diagnosed with dementia, once researchers adjusted for the other factors that could affect dementia risks such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking, people with high levels of cynical distrust were three times more likely to develop dementia than people with low levels of cynicism. Be careful what you are allowing your head and your mind to lock into. Be careful. Be careful. It even has health risks down the line. That's the point of that. Over and above politics and medicine and these rights issues that we deal with today and the immigration and patriotic issues of our day, we can see Cynicism has real-world effects. But if we're real, does it stop there, just in the world? Everybody say no. No, it doesn't stop there in the world. It doesn't. Cynicism hasn't become normal just in the culture around us, but it is moving into the church. It's moving into the church. Though the church has been in a constant battle with culture, via the presidential nominees. Lord have mercy. I'm just being real. Stay with me. I got you. The social issues of our day, science, and even the residue from those areas, the enemy is still trying to create an idol. What he did for Eve was he diverted her mind on that fruit and that thing and took it off of God. Be careful how these things will take your mind off of God. I feel like this about this area. This shouldn't happen this way. When I watch this, I get this, it just fires me up. Who's seeing Christ out of you when you get all in in, in that attitude in that way? This has crept into the church as well. We feel certain things. As soon as we start to feel these things, people can't feel the Spirit of God coming off of us. We've now stepped into a mindset of cynicism. It's not good. It's not good. When celebration is so much greater for us to take part in. The enemy is still trying to create an idol that causes us to have a spirit amongst us, which can sometimes cause us to focus on what God is not doing in the world and in the church versus what God is doing in the church, causing us to have a lack of expectation in him and pushing 
you to a spirit of failure in God. When if you think about God and that thing you're wrapped up around, when God can do exceedingly and abundantly above what you see that there is or that you may be wrapped up in. And this is causing us to take on cynicism. Now, let's be real. I'm sure it's not everybody. I'm sure it maybe, may not be one person here who's had a cynical thought within this last year and a half. I'll say that again. I'm sure it's maybe no one in here. Yeah, we all. We have these thoughts, these things that drift us. Okay? And I want you guys to be careful because the Bible lets us know God is good. And if God is good, God's not in heaven cynical and wrapped up around some of these things, these issues that come in our brain and our minds and knot us up, get us stuck, just turn us, our spirits just drift right off. God is a good God. He's in heaven having a good time. His spirit is good. And if we are of him, others should see that spirit as, as we go out. In school, at work, everywhere. Sometimes it could be our job. That's really, as soon as I think about, I can't believe that they're doing it this way. The way yeah, I think, you know what, every time they do something from now on, I, don't, no. Don't let those thoughts, don't let those cynical mindsets take over your mind. It's time we focus more on celebrating Christ than being there. We shift. We have to because the enemy will want us to focus on those things. Could be on a news channel. Leave that alone. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Y'all got to stay. Come on. We're just talking today. Come on. Right? I'm just, I, oh, I just can't. <laughs> he got you. He, he just swept your mind, just took you right out of, out of a spirit of celebration and joy and the fact that he's good and he's better and he's greater than all of that and he can change it just like that. But the scriptures, again, declares that God is good. Dietrich Bonhoeffer gives us a little bit more help than Paul in sharing how we can look at these moments we can be cynical. It can be a hurtful time of illumination. Hurtful time of illumination. A lot of times when we're cynical, it's, it's, it's dealing with the fact that we've been affected in a way, now we have some distrust for something. This is what he says. He, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this is what he says. He says, when we experience hurtful illumination and resist turning cynical, we may realize that we have been entrusted with a tremendous gift that can be used for the edification of the church. So look, it's a good moment. This can be used for edification of the church. Here's why. If we can manage to find healing and regain our footing a bit after the rug has been ripped out from beneath us, then we may be used by God to free others from faulty ideas about our faith. And then he goes on to say, embrace this, catch this, get this. Redeemed cynics have much to offer. You have much to offer. Don't let the enemy sweep you. And also, when we come in here, we want to be in a spirit of celebration. Pastor Brian has pushed me. He's pushed me. He's pushed me. He's like, look, I want to take it higher, man. I want, I want us to feel a celebration in here. And I said, I'm with you, Pastor Brian. 
how I'm going to get beat up when I get to my car at home. Well, we just kind of, we don't have to do all, no, 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 no. He's pushed me that way. We should leave different. We should, am I right, Ashley? We should leave feeling better. We should be celebrating. If you like celebrating, why don't you give God a round of applause? Because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to celebrate. Worship, we also can celebrate as well. What's us to Celebrate. God wants you to know today that you have much to offer as well. Don't get swept up by whatever those things are, those thoughts, those beliefs, those ideas. Don't get swept up by it. He wants you to know you have much to offer. And here's why we need to celebrate and not just resist cynicism. This is why we need to celebrate and not just resist cynicism. Celebration is explicit. It's defiant. Not only does it recognize who God is, and what he is doing, but it also calls for a response. Celebration is godly defiance in a culture of doubt. If you've seen doubt on your TV screen within the last year and a half, two years, just raise your hand. It def- <laughs> Let me ask that question again. <laughs> Come on. That's another thing. We got to be together, right? If you've seen doubt on your TV screen somewhere within the last year and a half, just raise your hand. Thank you. You're with me. We're ready to celebrate in a little bit, okay? You're with me. Celebration calls for a response. Let me go back to that. If you went to a party or something's going good, either you're going to dance with the rest of them or you're going to leave. It's going to cause you to do something, right? Amen. Remember this. God is in a good mood, and he wants the world to know it. Don't let those thoughts rob you from showing that God is in a good mood. Yeah, we may have moments, but, uh, hey, I'm not going to allow that to just tear my day up, my thoughts up, my mind. Ah, let me focus on celebrating a God that loves me so much, a God who is greater, who can just, he can change it. It's actually it's in his hands anyway. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate him. I'm not going to let that rob me in the rest of my day. I'm going to zone because I am saved by him. And I can't walk out and show other people why they should love him if I'm locked into something, some thought or a couple thoughts or four or five thoughts that got me arrested. We can't do that. Our scripture today should liberate us from the weight cynicism brings on and help us to celebrate who God is. Remember this. We're going to ride this thought out the rest of this sermon. The good news is always better then the bad news, cynicism may bring. Read that again. The good news is always better than the bad news cynicism may bring. And why is that? Because I want to let you know that God can do anything. He's amazing. He can turn things around right in front of your eyes. Things you think won't change, but we're stuck on. But he can change it right away. I'll prove it. I'll show you. The guy by the name of King Cyrus, Old Testament, book of Isaiah. Anybody familiar with him? Yeah. Okay, I won't put you on the spot. That's all right. King Cyrus worshiped pagan gods. Israelites don't see this coming at all, I don't think. God used him to help free them out of exile. 
God can turn things and change things all around. I tell you that because that leads us into Isaiah 61. I'm telling you, God can change things and turn things around quickly in ways you would least expect when you focus on him. We were praying, was in a situation, I was working out of school, they told us, Dan, they told us, we're not going to get paid for another month and a half, maybe two months. We're back to school. It's education money freeze. And this just speaks to how God can just turn things around, focus on him, don't get caught up in those thoughts. All of a sudden, this person comes and tells the school that they'll loan them money. Now, I'm sure everybody in that school was not of the same political party. Thank you. He's with me. He's with me. Thank you so much. Let's have a, let's have a good time with this. I'm sure everybody in that, that school was not of the same political party. But the person who gave this money was a senator who was Republican. This is to the fact that God can change things in ways you just don't think about. Get, 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 get off the thoughts. You think the people, when they got them paychecks, were stuck on who gave them the money. They were happy. They were excited that God blessed us with the money. I know I was. And it just made me think about the fact that when I, when I, when I was preparing for this message, that God, we got to remember, God can change things instantly. Some of these rights issues, some of these things we get stuck on and these community issues, Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Why are we worried about it? Why are we stressing over it? Why are we going around having arguments and debates and tight all? No. It's in his hands. Let's, let's, let's celebrate him. Let's focus on that. That's much better. If you're with me and you feel that way about that, after I'm talking about it, why don't you just say amen? Amen. amen that's much better. In the background of our text, as I told you, God used King Cyrus to help free the Israelites from Babylon. And when he thought the time was right to save them, he did. He'll save you. When he thinks the time is right, it'll happen. Things will shift. Focus on him. Allow your focus to be more on heaven than on earth. More on heaven than on earth. To our text. Text says, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, that should make it even more of a celebration. He's over it all. He got it all in control. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Now, some of you missed that. Just to know that is a celebration. I got him on me, right? And because I got him on me, what can't I do that needs to get done? What can I see myself through that needs to get done, that I need to go through in my life? Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And they went through a lot. Would you agree, amen? They went through a lot. Those Israelites went through a whole lot, amen? Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. God's going to come and take care of it. To comfort all who mourn. I'm going to stop there because I want to get to our three points today. Here's why celebration is greater than cynicism, and this is why you should celebrate. Here it is. The first reason, I read it, I'll say it again. 
The first reason is when you realize this and get this in your spirit, the spirit of the Lord is on you. When you are saved, when you have him, when you have him inside of you and you think about all he's done for you and his joy just festers up inside of you, the spirit of the Lord is on you. And if he's on me, you should let yourself know. You should know I can do great things. I can do great things. This is why I should come to church. This is why I should celebrate. He's on me. I can do great things. My mind should be on great things as well. And it says in this, these verses, uh, to proclaim good news, not bad news, not the stuff that was going, to proclaim good news, freedom, and favor. Let that be in our conversations. Good news, freedom, and favor. Not to say it's not, but I just want to, you know, make sure I reiterate that. To proclaim good news, freedom, and favor. That's the first reason why from this text we should celebrate. Here's the second one. Catch this. This is good. Says also, he can release us from darkness. Now, I don't know what the thing is that's been bothering you, but you've been stuck on. We talked, right? That's been hindering you. That just kind of turns your attitude as soon as you see it. But he can deliver us from that darkness. That's a praise. It's a celebration right there. He can deliver us from it. That's a celebration right there. He says, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Some of us have been locked up by certain things. I'd like to think. Pastor Brian was not led to have this title in this series for no reason. God's leading him in a direction. Some have been locked up and bind up by, by certain thoughts. But this is why we should celebrate. He can deliver us from that darkness. Amen. We should clap right there. Amen. Right there. It's okay. Right? <laughs> he can deliver us from that. We don't have to worry about that. It can change. It can change when you least expect it. You don't have to even carry that. God will do it. Nudge somebody and tell them, God will do it. Some of you still don't believe it. I thought I had 1030 with me today. Nudge somebody and say, God will do it. That's a little bit better. God will do it. Here's the third reason why we can celebrate. Third reason. Celebration is contagious. Tell somebody beside you, celebration is contagious. Celebration is contagious. I'm going to read this scripture for you, which is also a part of our uh, scripture readings today, and it's from Psalm 64, and you will see why celebration is contagious. David says, may God be gracious to us, us, he starts with us, and bless us, and make his face shine on us. When his face is shining on us, his people, this is what he, he's, he's seeing that God can do. So that your ways may be known in the earth, people around us, outside of us, in the earth, right? It's contagious. And then he says, your salvation among all nations. I'm going to get straight to it. Maybe the reason why things have been so tight and so divisive because we're not praising and celebrating enough in this world, in this country. Can we clap there? Maybe. Maybe if we celebrated him more and came with a spirit of celebration, some of those thoughts that the enemy would try to arrest us with, right, would just cease because we're focused on celebrating and talking about God. I'll give you an example. I heard Ashley sing this song. Come on. Me and my wife moved here. We didn't 
didn't know the music. We didn't know a lot of songs. So I think some people take that for granted, right? But when I started to think about and feel this song, I had to get up out of my seat. Matter of fact, I thought it was during the pandemic. I had to get up out my, off my seat. I said, this is all right. As we turn it up, if you want to celebrate with me today, why don't you stand up on your feet? I just want you to feel that. You see how that feels? We're focused on him now. Not on those things that's taking our minds. We're focused on him. Amen. Me and my wife caught on to that. I don't know about her. I know when I started hearing her sing that, I said, man, I, I want to tell her to sing it again, but I don't want to tell her to sing it again because she has so many things that she got already got planned out. But that song moved me. I wanted to celebrate with you guys. We got to celebrate with each other. That's the attitude of mind we should have. Don't let these things arrest our minds. Don't be cynical about stuff. God can change just like that. God can do anything. He gave a barren woman a baby out of nowhere. Who does that? He can do anything. Isaiah said he made mountains sing. He can do anything. I'm just telling you, he can do any quickly. Use King Cyrus, I told you about, he could do anything. Took Paul, uh, who wanted to murder all the folks who loved Christ, turned his life around. Took the, the scales off us. He can do anything. Don't get locked into it. The good news is that when you praise God, things will change. Look at somebody and tell them, when you praise God, things will change. It will change. It was, I dare you to praise him. I, I dare you to get it in your car and praise him. I dare you to wake up praising God. Celebrate. Things will change. That person's been getting on your nerves or bothering you. I'm tell, it, won't be as, it won't be as bad, I'm telling you. When you focus on him, things will change. Don't let the enemy make you focus on that aisle, that thing, that subject, that topic. Focus on and come in here ready to celebrate because he can change it. I got one with me. All right. Thank you. Things can change. I mean that, okay? She celebrates. She, she, she praises him. She dances for him. Here's our last quote, though. It says, cynicism is killing our nation. <laughs> it's destroying our hearts. It's putting us in a place where we cannot appreciate the joy that comes from this good news we have been given. But God has an antidote to cynicism. It's his presence, his redemption, and his fullness of joy. I mean, we want to tap into his fullness, fullness of joy. All of you have not only had that been asked to dance in church. Some of you probably dance real good outside of here. Y'all know what it feels like to have a good time and to celebrate. I want to tell you that celebration is amped up and multiplied extremely a lot when you have the joy of the Lord and you celebrate him in that way. His redemption and his fullness of joy. When we take time to celebrate 
whether personally or communally, we are bringing the glory of God into the brokenness of the world around us. Let the good news be better than the bad news. Because the good news is always better than the bad news. You may be thinking at times, and it may, be, may want to get you locked in and focused on. Let the Word of God resonate more than anything in your life, and you will live a life of celebration. And then you'll know celebration is greater than cynicism. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. I want to pray today that anything that you have been, if you have, that, that, that's, that, that has taken your mind, thoughts, areas, ideals, that has hindered you from focusing and celebrating God and hindered your Christ coming out of you into the world, that you let it go today. And God takes it away. And you leave here free from it better and changed, and in a mood to celebrate him as much as you can in everything we do in life. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray, God, for your people that if there's anything that's been stuck on them, especially over this last year and a half, thoughts, ideals that are divisive, areas where they can get caught up in, even things that weigh into the church, that you would remove it as they offer it and ask you to to take it from them, that you would remove it today, and that they would dance like the weights have been lifted, because you can do that. You're a miracle-working God. The Bible tells us that all throughout. You've healed, you've helped, and we just thank you, God, because we know you can do it even today. Let us be excited that your Spirit is on us, and we can do great things. Let us be excited that you can deliver us out of darkness. We don't have to be in that place no more. And let us continue to celebrate you, Heavenly Father, today and for the rest of our lives, never be the same again. We thank you, God, for this celebration sermon today. And we give your name all the glory and honor and credit. In Jesus' name we pray as we clap our hands. Amen. Amen.